to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. And I'm talking uh, cybersecurity in their office in San Antonio here with uh, two principals from Booz Allen Hamilton. We talked a little bit of their uh, high-level overview of the the business on a a previous episode. You can uh, check that out on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com if you wanted to hear uh, some of the 100-year history of of Booz Allen Hamilton and how that got started. Today we're going to talk more um, about some of the cybersecurity details and things going on here, the things they're allowed to talk about if you do listen to that previous episode or if you you did listen uh, on the air or already on the podcasting. Uh, you'll know that they uh, do a good amount of business with the uh, U.S. government. And so some of the things uh, the gentlemen that are joining me today uh, certainly won't be able to talk about on the air. If you uh, are interested in that kind of work, uh, I think they're hiring, and we'll, we'll cover that stuff as well uh, as we uh, go through this program. Uh, if you uh, do prefer um, to listen uh, via podcast, uh, you'll be able to get this program will go up on our website on Tuesday, July the 2nd. And when it does that, it'll also go out on all the podcasting services across the Internet. Uh, if you uh, are going to be hopping out of your car here tonight, uh, you can continue streaming uh, on iHeartRadio on your Android or iOS device or uh, via your, your web browser um, on the iHeartRadio website as well. If you are joining us from the web, uh, thank you very much for uh, tuning in and listening from there and uh, being a user of those iHeartMedia apps. So, gentlemen, thank you for uh, joining us on the, the program here this week. Mark, uh, I guess we'll go ahead and start with you, give a little intro and a uh, background. Sure. Thanks, Brett. So, uh, my name is Mark Rydell, as you mentioned, principal at uh, Booz Allen Hamilton. i uh, from Des Moines, Iowa, originally served 20 years in the Air Force, my last two years were here in San Antonio in the, what's now the cyber units. It was called something different 16 years ago. Yeah. But, uh, so finished that up, retired from the Air Force, and then came and joined Booz Allen, um, trying to do network warfare things. And so I've been doing that for the last 14 years here. Yeah, it's gotten, it's gotten easier to talk about a little bit. And, and as we, we go through the program here, it's, uh, that for listeners that are not deep in the, the cybersecurity world, uh, for years, the Air Force wouldn't admit to having cyber operations, and now you can go on the web and you can go to Wikipedia and you can look up the 24th and 25th Air Force and you can read all about them on their Wikipedia page. So they'll have there's a, yeah much more they're willing to talk about now as well. If you you pull up your your favorite map program and, and type in NSA Texas, you'll see on the maps you can do satellite view. You can see their big building. They've given up trying to hide some of these things. Uh, they used to try to reach out to all the providers on the internet and make them put black boxes over stuff, and they've they found out at this point. I mean, they've just everyone's come to the OPSEC realization that you, you can't hide some of these things anymore. So uh, it's good because it makes for more interesting radio here than it used to. Mm, absolutely. Yes. So, uh, so Vince, or do you go by Vincent? Uh, either one is fine. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so my, my background is I am a native San Antonio, and I grew up here in San Antonio. Uh, joined the Air Force and was gone uh, thirty plus years. Uh, working in the Air Force in uh, engineering, IT, and cyber. And uh, when I retired, uh, came back here about nine years ago, and I've been with Booz Allen Hamilton uh, for the last nine years, working yeah. the cyber account. So do you, guys, do you guys have a favorite place you were stationed um, when you were in the Air Force? Do you guys ever talk about this? It's all right. I had a lot of garden spots. Yeah. Um, I, I would say the favorite was probably Stuttgart, Germany, just yeah. the international experience, the the breadth of things that was going on, the, uh, the challenge of the work that happened to be there, but... And a quick train ride to all the rest of Europe on your yeah. your, your weekend leave. Six hour drive from a lot of amazing places, from yeah. Prague to Paris, Amsterdam. How about you, Vince? Do you have any favorite um, spots? Oh, oh, we had some garden spots and things that me and my family really enjoyed. Uh, places like Turkey, uh, Germany, uh, Hawaii. 
Yeah. Uh, personal professional uh, favorites were Afghanistan, believe it or not, Afghanistan, Still. Iraq, Saudi Arabia, places like that, because you really got into uh, pretty detailed cyber operations. Yeah. Oh, and it's it's. Um, so this is, I mean, the kind of thing for listeners out there. If you're in high school right now and you're doing Cyber Patriot and you're thinking, what do I want to do for my career? Um, there's some pretty cool opportunities you get if you uh, will talk to the uh, the Air Force. And uh, we had on, uh, I think she was uh, Tech Sergeant Diami Baker back at the time. Uh, she was uh, heading up cyber recruiting for the U.S. Air Force. So you can uh, listen to that on uh, iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitchers, whichever podcast service. Look that one up there and you can hear uh, kind of all about the cyber programs uh, inside the U.S. Air Force. Uh, if you uh, did want to learn and go go one of those routes. And uh, this leads to, yeah, I mean, a second career. We were joking a little bit before the program starts that San Antonio, I think, is uh, tons and tons of re- retired military, except none of those folks that I know are actually retired. So as, as you guys made that transition, um, and, and you, um, how did you find out about Booz Allen and, and continue to that work on there? Yeah, so I guess my, my story is um, – and it's not a popular story, Booz Allen, but I, I didn't even know we had an office here 14 years ago. It was a smaller office, and it was mostly concentrated on the civil engineering and the environmental work out at the base. That was our big contracts that we had there, and the, the bulk of the office was that. I was I was familiar with Booz Allen, had interacted with them before in my, my years of service and knew they had a good reputation, but I did not know they had a local office till somebody told me, and so well, I know somebody that just went to work there. You want me to give them your resume? And so I said, well, by all means. And then it interviewed and worked out. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, a great piece of advice for transitioning service folks is start asking around in your network of, of, folk, of people you know that have transitioned a year or two years or three years before you on what's going on out there because uh, it's pretty easy uh, when you're serving to, to get, get in your swim lane and not notice anything going on around you and not be aware of some of the opportunities that are, are out there. And here you are. Um, almost a decade later still, uh, or more than a decade later, still enjoying things. Absolutely. So with the, yeah, this, this office now, I mean, we've uh, announcement, I guess, expansion of 250 plus more folks. So, and your, your name's on some buildings around town now. Um, you go to the downtown location here. I think you have multiple floors, um, in, in the elevator in the lobby, if you look up things and, and then there's a building out at Port San Antonio over closer to that Air Force customer, uh, and closer to, uh, all sorts of things going on over on that side of town. Uh, so as, as you guys have been growing in San Antonio, um, there's the, the transitioning piece. But when you when you both came off of duty, were you stationed in San Antonio at the last one? Or did you come back here? I guess, you, Mark, you said you were stationed here at the, the end. And then Vince, you, you said your, your wife was bringing you back here, but you weren't. This was not your final duty station? That's correct. In fact, I did uh, over 30 years in the Air Force and never had an assignment in San Antonio, which is unheard of. Was basic training here for oh, the Air yeah, Force? Yeah, no, okay, no, so that I was did, it. So I did start in ba- yeah, I did start in San Antonio. <laughs> I but, don't know if they used to have a second basic training location. Yeah, no, but my wife and her family's from San Antonio, as is mine, and I knew if I ever had a real assignment back here, I would have never left town. Yeah. So, so yeah, I purposely avoided uh, an assignment in San Antonio. My last duty station was in Virginia, and again, like Mark, I came back here knowing I was coming to San Antonio, and the network uh, got me into Booz Allen Hamilton. Yeah. So for, for folks thinking about cybersecurity, um, I think people watch Mr. Robot on TV or they watch, I don't know, the, whatever, the Sandra Bullock. Was she in the movie Hackers? I don't know, these sorts of things. So they see, they see these kind of things uh, 
or if you go back to our generation, people watched war games with Matthew Broderick or whatever. My understanding, obviously, in, in the all, but our listeners won't know this yet until we, we talk about it a little bit. Cybersecurity is much more broad than just one person trying to figure out how to, to break into a system or something else. So how do you explain cybersecurity to folks that uh, are, are not neck deep in it on kind of the breadth yeah, I, I would start with there's a lot of different definitions of cyber, right? And you could ask 100 people and get 200 answers, right? So it's pretty broad, and probably all those 200 opinions have some degree of uh, facts to them. So it, it's hard not to be wrong. The I'll answer it this way, I guess. In, in Booz Allen, we think of it as like kind of three large areas because – you know, I like, like any other for-profit company, we're looking to how we can solve problems and, and make some money on the side. And so there are the, the challenges that like a, a chief information security officer might have, right? So risk management of the networks, you know, basic defense of the network, you know, then in, investing, you know, how much do I need to invest, not invest, where do I invest, and, and those kinds of things. So the things a, a CISL might worry about. And then the second piece of the thing is maybe cyber warfare. So that's more the niche can be more classified, but not always. But a cyber warfare piece is the second. And then maybe the third piece is what we call the resiliency of platforms. So how cyber resilient is a automobile, an airplane, a tank, um, a industrial control system, those kinds of things. So cyber can be all of the things of those three kinds of universes and, and any and all aspects of them. Yeah, if that makes sense. So how about, do you have a different answer for us, Vince? No, no, it's pretty much the same. And uh, and here in San Antonio and with Booz Allen, with the different multiple clients that we have across the city, uh, and, you know, the Department of Defense is, is wide and deep here with respect to the Army and the Navy, and even the Navy is here. Yeah. Uh, the Air Force is huge, of course, the biggest. And, and so we go across all of those components with all of those different kinds of support, um, plus more, even on the clinical side, on the medical side, on the on the IT and personnel side, so uh, it, it runs a gamut. Yeah, is it is, and this is is one where um, I think f- folks that are not neck deep in the the cybersecurity world, you uh, as you get up to that CISO or kind of that that executive leader, that officer level leader, they're looking at data typically, and they're looking at that information and figuring out how to make it accessible to their the, the folks in their their department um, or their company uh, so that they can use that data to do work and make decisions. And you've got to do that risk trade-off of the more accessible you make it, the harder it is to keep it under control, um, or the more places and ways you allow access to it and all of those things. So you have the kind of speed of business and the velocity of information and decision-making trade-off with the protection of it, the risk, and then what does it look like so I mean, it, it's it's one where uh, out there for listeners as you you go through this, um, if you're not a computer programmer, like none of that stuff is about computer programming. It's about macro level strategy analysis, economic analysis, um, and and risk and psychology and and all of those type of things around the process side of everything. And um, this goes into the the practical hands on of the cybersecurity uh, work. It also goes into when you go to to major, um, if you were going to look at it as if you're a student and you're thinking about going to college and majoring in cybersecurity, that's a gigantic bucket again. It, it's like the equivalent of majoring in engineering. Well, what kind of engineering? Because chemical engineering is certainly substantially different than civil engineering. I don't want a chemical engineer building a bridge. 
um, and I don't want a, a civil engineer trying to make the next prescription drug for us. So uh, same thing for listeners on the, the cybersecurity area. Um, and so as for Booz Allen, as is, is you are hiring here and growing in San Antonio over the next few years, you, you have kind of the strategy, policy, planning folks versus the ones that are going to be hands-on doing malware reverse engineering or whatever else. How, how does that workforce look for, for your growth? Yeah, that's a, it's an incredibly good point because it is a wide spectrum of talent that you need um, to solve the problem, right? So there, there are the, the planning um, aspects all to the deep, deep skills of developing capability for offensive or defensive purposes and everything in between. And we do hire everywhere along that spectrum because our clients need help all on that, that spectrum as well. Um, the additional challenge that we have in our line of work is typically the folks need clearances yeah. because our, our clients. So it's finding that skill set. Um, that's available, that, that has the clearances, those kinds of things, which makes San Antonio special because, you know, of all the kind of towns outside of D.C. Metro, this really is uh, the concentration of that kind of talent. But, yeah. No. But, but as far as hiring them, I mean, we, there's there's a lot of different strategies. I don't know if one strategy is that, that different from another, although I will say we have found, and it'll be a segue into a conversation if you want to go there around interns, but, but some of that talent – you just have to build it yourself versus go out and hire it. So you have to invest in the workforce. Yeah. You have to invest with you know in it in a younger age. Work to get their clearances. Work to get the talents and the and the certifications that you need. So some of it is hiring it. Some of it is getting the retired folks or exiting folks from the military that have that experience. And then some of it is just building it from the ground up yourself because it's hard to buy, if you will. Uh, other ways yeah no i mean i think that's for for those in the listening audience again if you're considering getting into the this area um working for a company like booz allen that really invests in their employees from a, a training and development and growth perspective because they know that um they're hiring you for the long term they're not hiring you for a specific contract and we talked about that quite a bit on the um previous episode of the program and so uh, you're looking to to build folks that as you both help almost a decade or more than a decade there with the firm it's not a, a two-year done on a contract or a three-year done on a contract and you're off looking for the next one um or next company you have to go work for so uh that's yeah and, and for san antonio with all of our um, nsa and dhs accredited university programs if you're you are enrolled in one of those you can start some pre-clearance on um work on your your clearance ahead of getting hired while you're in school and that's um, certainly helpful for for y'all and I mean I think we have five schools here uh, that have uh, degree programs that meet those requirements yeah big help on that um, and is you yeah much more so than I think even there may be more enrolled in those kind of programs in San Antonio than anywhere else any other specific city in the country it's a stat we haven't any listener out there if, if you are one of the the cyber nerds keeping these kind of stats do we have more people enrolled in NSA and DHS accredited degree programs here in San Antonio than anywhere else? I don't know that we're graduating more yet, but we, because like UTSA's program is growing very rapidly right now. Um, that'll be interesting just to, yeah, someone I'll track down Amanda and she'll get that number figured out from mm -hmm. the Chamber of Commerce. So as, as you uh, look to uh, build out uh, the the your practice areas here uh, in San Antonio you said started civil um, engineering still doing civil engineering um, and in for for you both are you assigned to clients here in this area or are you traveling I know you probably 
um, back and forth to DC a fair amount um, with if you're in the cyberspace because those are like really the two ends of the barbell I would call it right now mm-hmm. is here and there. Um, but how does how does that work for for you guys? So uh, yeah, I travel a lot back and forth between San Antonio and DC or Maryland in the Maryland area. And uh, but the bulk of the work that I do and that Mark does uh, really revolves around San Antonio and the San Antonio clients. Uh, we do pull most of our workforce from the the organic San Antonio area, although we're always bringing in retired military and/or people uh, from other areas, and and we're completely open to that. I would say, almost ten years ago, you know, Mark and I started this. You know, we can't find everything we need so we have to grow our own yeah and started an intern program you know that long ago uh while it started uh pretty meager with onesie twosies software developers and then bringing them in to get them clearance and then training them in the things that we needed them to do it has uh evolved to a pretty robust program where we have now uh 34 interns uh in our program all at the at the undergraduate college level or some also in graduate programs? It's actually a mix. Okay. Uh, the 34 I, I cited are all undergraduates, but we do have uh, a, a pretty good number of uh, data scientists in, in uh, master's programs that are doing uh, some pretty detailed uh, data science and, and analytic work. Um, but it has grown, and primarily out of the, we've moved from just going to juniors and seniors in, in college to uh, now taking them out of the cyber uh, Patriot program. So, yeah. so that's something we started, uh, and we've been sponsoring the Cyber Patriot program since its inception, uh, ten or so years ago. Uh, started with just mentoring and and uh, and coaching. Uh, moved into scholarships, uh, where we were presenting them to UTSA and Dr. White. Then decided for us, you know, how and where we we spread that love. Uh, but it has evolved to now us giving a full four-year paid internship to the top three winning teams uh, at the San Antonio Mayor's Cup each yeah. year. Uh, so we're bringing in, you know, 10 to 15 uh, of the nation's brightest, the yeah. top 1% of all the schools that are competing. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, all those the all the top three teams this year all went to nationals. Correct. Yeah, so those are uh, – for those unfamiliar with Cyber Patriot, just please check out our website, www.cybertalkradio.com. Go to the episode search, type in Cyber Patriot. And you'll be able to hear from uh, uh, retired Brigadier General Bernie Scotch, who's uh, the, I don't know, he, he's the boss of it. Uh, we'll say that. I don't know what his exact title is. Uh, you can look it up on that episode search all the way through to coaches uh, that have led uh, teams to nationals. We've had some students that participated in Cyber Patriot in the program. We've done an on-location from uh, the Mayor's Cup one year. And, yeah, I mean, really, uh, yeah, so thank you guys for being involved there and uh for the scholarships and the the other activities around that cyber patriot i mean it's one parents uh, out there please tell your school administrators if they've got a football team and a basketball team they need a cyber patriot team uh there uh, how many football players or basketball players are you guys hiring at booz allen to play football or basketball for you yeah, you might hire them if they have cybersecurity skills uh but you guys don't have a company basketball team no, okay. we do not. You do not, but you no. do have a whole bunch of cybersecurity job openings. We absolutely yeah. do. Yes. So, I mean, this is one. It's same thing with college scholarships you heard right there is that um, you're now the students are getting scholarship opportunities for that cyber patriot participation the same way they would for football and basketball and other team sports. Um, is, I, I mean, this is, is one out there. Um, the world is getting to be too big uh, 
in the cybersecurity space, we talked just a little bit about that, but no one works in this stuff alone by themselves anymore. So like that war games thing of like one person figuring it all out, that's only in TV and movies. That is not uh, what happens. I mean, everyone's working on a team, whether you are a data analysis uh, specialist where you're looking for that needle in a haystack and then someone else is going to analyze that needle. Like you can't be an expert in looking for needles and analyzing needles. Both of them are, are separate skill sets. Um, maybe you get a unicorn every once in a while. It's really good at both, but um, really it's teamwork for uh, your cyber practice in San Antonio. So you, you have uh, federal clients here. Uh, you guys also do business with the commercial sector. Uh, which I think is one that's a little bit different um, than some of the other specialist firms. Uh, how is that practice mixed here uh, in this area? Do you have any uh, commercial sector clients that um, let you reference them? This is the other hard part is that everyone, like you think that the, the, the government clients are even more quiet than the commercial clients, but not always in the cybersecurity world. Yeah, so we'll, we'll start with the big picture. So in, in Booz Allen, I think 80, probably 80% of our business uh, deals with the federal government, right? And then a lesser piece of that is the Department of Defense. Um, and then when you, you neck it down, it's it's smaller down here. Going going back to the uh, commercial piece, so part part of that twenty percent of the non-government work we do is is commercial, right? There's also international work, but on the on the commercial side, not not only do you have to be sensitive um, because it it affects company stock prices and those kinds of things. When, when you're delivering on that work, you're actually delivering to the company's lawyers or, or an outside yeah. law firm, and then they decide what they want to expose to the company leadership and those kinds of things. So it is a very different animal um, supporting. But but I will tell you this, right? There's you've, there's been several big name retail um, security breaches in the last several years. We've been involved with most of them, helping to recover from that. Um, there are some industries that we like to focus on. You can't support everything no. so fi finance pharmaceuticals some retail if it's if it's high viz and um i would say the the energy industry and, and with the leverage industrial controls and then a little bit of the automobile industry as well so that we try to focus around that on the commercial business and most of our commercial business is cyber business yeah and, um, and this is one I mean, where this flow of data in the cybersecurity piece is becoming much more important uh, f across the, the commercial sector because we're going from that data being um, a kind of a, a analysis and strategic decision-making resource to an actual just now, I mean, the real flow of, of absolutely everything and maybe the most valuable um, – piece of information like if you look in the energy sector if you're if it's an exploration company that exploration data they have is their most valuable asset uh, and and so it's a, a digital piece of stuff now and maybe eventually the contract that they can go get signed to give them rights to a piece of land super valuable but they wouldn't know where to go without that exploration data uh, so as, as data becomes more and more valuable or you think of companies in the the high-tech sector the automobiles um, if bad people were able to get into all these these automated things we're putting on cars these days, um, they could do a lot of bad things with it. So automobile manufacturers are going to be very focused on the the cybersecurity aspects of the the cars, and we've we've seen even with just the remote keyless entry and the auto start and stop, and some of those features have um, had some security issues over the years. And I think uh, it's good that it, that's happened because it's woken the autowakers up to the fact that. 
man, before we're allowing the car to turn the steering wheel, we really need to think end to end on our security processes and controls. So uh, we're going to take a quick break here at the uh, bottom of the hour for a news, traffic, and weather update. Uh, you're listening to CyberTalk Radio on 1200 WAI. I'm joined uh, today by two principals from Booz Allen Hamilton. We're talking cybersecurity here, their San Antonio office and practice, uh, uh, some of uh, how they think about it, how they got to, to where they are in their career. Uh, if you are going to be able to stick with us through that news, traffic, and weather update. We'll be uh, back for the uh, second half of the hour here uh, in just a few moments. If you're uh, going to hop out of your car, you can continue on iHeartMedia on the streaming application. And if you are listening to us via that streaming app, thank you very much for doing so. Uh, if you are not going to be able to stick with us, check out our website, www.cybertalkradio.com. On Tuesday, July the 2nd for this program, as well as all of our other past episodes and uh, how to get them via podcast. Cyber Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. I'm joined this week by two principals from Booz Allen Hamilton. We're talking cybersecurity. If uh, you uh, just hopped in the car right now uh, and this is your first time, uh, we are a weekly program discussing cybersecurity and uh, here in San Antonio and greater area. We've uh, been on the air for about three years now. We've had, uh, we've had guests from a uh, all aspects of cybersecurity uh, in San Antonio. We've even had uh, some visiting CEOs that have been here uh, from other areas doing business. So uh, check out our website at www.cybertalkradio.com or uh, pick your favorite podcasting service and uh, look us up on there. If uh, you have a favorite podcasting service where you uh, do not see our program, reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, let us know. Uh, we will fix that and we will get you a CyberTalk Radio t-shirt. Uh, yes, for the hardcore tech enthusiast, you can set up your own podcasting service. Um, and if you do that, we'll give you a CyberTalk Radio t-shirt. So as we were uh, chatting there during that bottom of the hour break, um, you got some good stories about some of these uh, interns you talked about in Cyber Patriot and kind of bringing in 18-year-old kids into an environment where it's a, you're, you're talking to not just the, the actual um, new employee, uh, but their, their parents as well. How do, so uh, share some of those. Well, yeah, I'll set it up for you. So uh, Vince mentioned earlier that we uh, had uh, 10 years ago or so targeted juniors uh, in their uh, college years. And the timing around that was that took about a year and a half to get a top secret clearance. So we'd bring on the interns with a year and a half to go, teach them some things. We focused on software development skills and uh, brought them in. And so that, uh, that, that you know, bringing in a 21-year-old is a little bit different than bringing in you know, a dozen 18-year-olds uh, at a time. So when we set up this program, we knew it had to be a different kind of program uh, from many different ways. We had to hold their interest for four years, not a year and a half, Yeah. right? And we had uh, to, you know, t talk about what it's like to work in a professional workplace and those kinds of things and, uh, and, and all that. And then how do we, and it also takes a lot of time to manage the people. So that investment, it, it, you know, that's an investment as well from, from our folks' standpoint is, you have to give them meaningful projects, right? And we have to, yeah. to monitor all that. And um, how we stood that up was, uh, was was an interesting journey with some interesting uh, um, anecdotes along the way. But if you want to. Oh, yeah. so, so it was uh, um, 
All the things that Mark and I were worried about uh, with respect to bringing in um, young 18-year-olds right out of high school uh, all vanished once we started the program. We were amazed and, and truly impressed with the maturity level, uh, the, the training and background that the, the young people brought to bear on day one with computer languages under their belts, uh, with certifications under their belts as part of their training both in high school and on their own. Uh, we, we do the introductions and uh, the immersions with their parents, so it's hand-in-hand hand and, and make sure that the parents come and all their questions are answered. Uh, many of the things that we were worried about with respect to work ethic and maturity level and uh, those things were non-issues. Yeah. And uh, it was amazing how these young people rolled up their sleeves, uh, dug in on day one, and were contributing on day one because they really brought great skills with them. As you can imagine, after spending two, three, or four years in a uh, cybersecurity program at school, uh, in-depth IT programs and programming language uh, experiences with their coaches and with their teachers, uh, one of our graduates this, this past year came in with six languages, um, proficient in six different programming languages and multiple certifications. Uh, people like that and, and some of his compatriots, I have four young interns right now working on um, projects for leading edge cyber, real, real world emerging yeah. cyber technologies that the, the Air Force client is facing today in terms of defensive and offensive capabilities and cyber capability. They are doing uh, deep, uh, um, both uh, data analytics as well as um, software development, creating uh, capabilities for clients that are uh, being delivered to the clients, and they are actually working on real-world problems every day. Uh, a couple yeah, I mean, of yeah, the, the days of interns doing make busy work and get coffee is over. Over. Uh, no, and, and I think because it goes both ways. The employers look and they want to get uh, value uh, from that internship, but they also, the intern wants to deliver value. Uh, they don't want to just sit around and, and um, look like a, yeah, a wall ornament. It's not that's it's so um, expect when, and hold if you're out there getting an internship, hold your employer accountable to give you real meaningful work. I think that's our best feedback. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, I know so, you know this. so last summer, um, we had about 24 interns last summer. We'll, we'll have more than that this summer. Um, and Vince and I took them out to three different breakfasts, about eight interns apiece to a, I'll call it a local establishment that happens yeah. to serve eight-pound cinnamon rolls, right? Okay. So, uh, so one, it was fun to see the, the kids have never seen an eight-pound cinnamon roll before and, and attack it with steak knives. But two, as we went around the table and we asked them, you know, what what is this experience? What has surprised you so far? And they all said it in different ways, but almost to a person, they said, we, we just can't believe you, you trust us. Yeah. Or we can't believe you give us like real stuff to do, or we can't believe how hard that, you know, the challenge was. And so that was almost the, the universal feedback was, you know, we didn't know if we'd be carrying coffee or mowing the grass. Right. But it, almost all of them were, were surprised by the significance of the things that we were asking them to do. And, and, that, and that is, you know, was part of the plan, but it still, it surprised us that it surprised them. Yeah. You, you mentioned forensics and hunting. I mean, yeah. there, there's one uh, capability that, Booz Allen software developers and data scientists uh, at, at, at mid and senior levels have been working on and they brought the interns into it and they're part of it right now. But it, it is about that. It is about those millions and millions of data sets that are out there. How do you neck that down into small numbers that a, a cyber analyst can really sink their teeth in and find bad guys on the network? Uh, it's created you know IP that Booz Allen has, has patents pending on right now that were uh, developed in concert with our interns. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's amazing stuff. And it's also, I mean, I think it's just really helpful to get um, 
folks in with a clean, fresh set of eyes onto these uh, projects and areas and come back and take a, a look at it uh, in, in a way that's different. Like you just you give them the objective and don't necessarily give them every step to get to the objective and see how they come at it and approach it. And it helps your your senior employees uh, learn different ways to to do things because they just may have a, a system and a practice that they've had in place for years and they can go through and they can execute that. But there's always new stuff coming out. It's like you said, six programming languages. You've got one of these, these uh, young folks coming in that they've, they've already experienced. And uh, I'm lucky to be able to code in two. We, we have a program called BoozCon um, within Booz Allen, and it's kind of an internal uh, celebration of all the different cyber things that are happening so that other people, you know, we're 26,000 employees. So how do you get the word out across 26,000 employees of all the cool things we're doing for cyber that they can talk to their clients about wherever they might be in their, yeah. you know, 800 locations or what have you. And so we are, what we had, it, we did it for multiple locations in San Antonio last time. And so people from our Austin office came down and as part of that, Vince showed them around the building and showed them the, some of the high end projects going on with the interns. And so our, our Austin office people are like, Oh, wait, wait a minute. You know, how do you, how do I get a piece of that? Right. Of that local San Antonio talent that's working this kind of a thing. And now we're working on a program where these San Antonio cyber Patriot, you know, interns coming onto our program here that we manage. And now they're going to be working on Austin projects, working on And you mentioned commercial work. And so one of that's our commercial team. And a lot of that's made yeah. out of Austin. And so we'll bring them into there and how can we bring more? And, and so we bring them in and we put them on other teams, other places. We're working with our Houston office to play some of our people on, in Houston kind of challenges. And so it's, it's, it's been a neat thing to see and, and kind of celebrate the young San Antonio cyber talent that, that comes out of these high schools is, is amazing. Yeah, and I mean, we've got more new high schools uh, uh, coming e each day that are putting in these specialty um, cybersecurity and cyber patriot type programs. Yeah, so Austin, if you're listening up I-35 here in the, the central Texas area, the way that you, you get a piece of this is you, you go talk to your um, school boards, you go talk to your school principals, you go talk to your school district superintendents, and tell them that Cyber Patriot is a team sport priority for you as a parent, for you as a taxpayer. Um, and same thing here in San Antonio. We still have more football teams than we have Cyber Patriot teams. So we, we've not even reached the one-to-one. -one. And schools can field multiple Cyber Patriot teams. Every school basically fields one football team. Maybe if, if you count freshman, junior varsity, and varsity, maybe they field three football teams. But you can – schools can field more than one Cyber Patriot team. Um and it's a sport that's open to both genders. Um, cybersecurity is is not uh, just a thing for the boys. Uh, this is yeah. So uh, I think uh, the I met the NSA has a, a high school intern this past year, a female here from San Antonio. Uh, and so if by the way as well as you're, you're hearing uh, our guests talk about uh, interns uh, at the programs at, at Booz Allen, if Booz Allen can bring in interns at the the college level and and if the nsa can bring in interns at the high school level your legal and risk department or whoever is telling you no you can't have interns and you can't have interns doing real work um if the nsa's figured it out and booze allen's figured it out you can figure it out as well um and as, as you're hearing uh from both mark and vince that these uh folks are coming in and, and actually adding um value to projects today but if they decide to come work for you often in the future that kind of continuity that they have during their college years uh, i would guess they i mean they hit the ground running uh, versus hiring out of the regular campus recruiting programs where you've got six months to maybe if it's in security clearance 18 months to ramp somebody up any other fun intern ones uh, oh that the program itself uh we do have it run by a a, a more senior um tenured booze allen 
a uh, person with background in forensics, computer science, and, and OSI work, if you're yeah. familiar with that on, on the Air Force side. He's now retired military, but he's a, a professor uh, full-time at UTSA, as well as the work he does at Booz Allen. He helps run the program for us. And he's broken it up into other things that we do besides just, uh, again, it's a well-rounded program. So it teaches, it, te- it teaches work ethic. It teaches ethics and values. It teaches uh, time management skills. It teaches uh, resume building. And so we try to do that widely across the spectrum. But then, it, again, it teaches things that we're doing every day. The two, uh, I bring it up because you mentioned it, uh, the two people that help him the most that run the program with him are two former interns that are now graduates and full-time Booz Allen employees. Yeah, and those awesome. two young ladies run that program with him. Yeah, that's great to hear. Uh, so um, one of the other items to segue here for a, a little bit, uh, we were talking about during that bottom of the hour break was artificial intelligence and cybersecurity. And I've, I've talked about this in the program, son. I've done some presentations at different cybersecurity conferences about this. So I'll, I'll kind of preface and open a little bit with some of my perspective on this. And for, for listeners out there, Look, artificial intelligence is coming. It's useful um, right now in certain areas, um, but like even getting something like Rosie the Robot from the Jetsons for your house, we're not close yet. Uh, there's a long way to go there. Artificial intelligence is is useful now um, to be specialists at some very narrow things, uh, but it doesn't have broad cognitive understanding. So, like if you train an artificial intelligence model to un- like be able to identify cats in a picture, um, it and, and then you say, hey, here's a picture of a dog. Now go identify dogs in pictures. If you did that with a, f- a five-year-old and you said, here's what cats look like, and you showed them thousands of pictures of cats, and then you showed them one picture of a dog, and you told a five-year-old this was a dog, then the five-year-old would be able to pick out dogs in all the other pictures after that. Like, it would be that easy for a human brain, not for an artificial intelligence brain. You would have to then show that AI millions of pictures of dogs before it would be able to identify dogs the same way um, it could identify cats after you trained it on cats. So now you go, well, it's just a different way to learn. And then so here's where some of the cybersecurity aspect of artificial intelligence comes in. If you're a good guy, you have to buy computers. You have to pay for the places to put them. You have to pay for the electricity um, to, to use them. And so training these artificial intelligence models takes a lot of computational power. Um, if you're a bad guy, uh, you just get to steal computers. So if you've, you've ever heard of botnets before, if you haven't heard of a botnet, just go to Google, search uh, Wikipedia, world's largest botnets, and you'll see that some of these, are. this is where bad guys go in and they take control of computers, and you go, well, what's the harm of the bad guy having grandma's computer? She doesn't actually bank online or do anything. Well, these bad guys can be using grandma's CPU and her computer and her memory and everything to train their artificial intelligence. So if they've got 40 million computers that they don't have to pay for, it effectively gives them a leg up in this artificial intelligence arms race. Um, and this is a, a real one. So I'm out there like, please patch and update your computers. Please do things from a, a, a security perspective, because if not, you're kind of just potentially negligently leaving resources out there for, for bad guys to be able to get a leg up in this artificial intelligence race as, as we uh, continue along here. I don't know if you guys agree with my, my high level assessment of, of this and where we're at, but uh, this is the ones I've been out there talking a bit, a little bit about at some, some different events to try to raise people's awareness of what's the harm of grandma's computer being infected. Yeah, always. I, I saw an interesting one, and actually it was the, uh, the local cybersecurity uh, presentation um, that uh, the cybertexas.org puts on. Um, and they, 
one of the topics artificial intelligence talk about the Google Go challenge right and, yeah and taking on the grandmasters of this the, this ancient ancient game and teaching grandmasters new ways that had never been done before never thought before because it was unencumbered by previous thought but all the trial and errors that are done you know all the computations that it took all the different ways and how you want to reward that model for for what it you know to, to reinforce the learning right and machine yeah. learning type of aspects but there, there's definitely a play there in in cyber applications yeah for sure i mean this is is one of the ones that's interesting yeah so uh there's a out there google's trained uh, alpha go and i don't know what they're calling the current version of it now but it, it's so go is more complicated than chess or checkers and uh it's it's a game where uh, now we have enough computing power that you can do an exhaustive search in a chess game. So the artificial intelligence machine just picks the statistically highest outcome move on chess at this point. It can compute it down through the whole rest of the game, and it can and just pick that next move. Go has so many possible moves that um, we don't have enough computing resources to be able to compute every move. So it's doing some more complicated work there to kind of pick its best guess the next move and they've come up with new strategies and go that humans have never played before or if a human played that strategy somebody would look at it and go well that's a, a terrible move you're going to end up losing after this because they wouldn't execute the next set of things we're seeing the same in with uh, open ai on the the game dota 2 where it's a real-time war strategy game uh, with superheroes fighting each other in that one um, the artificial intelligent team uh, open ai is playing different strategies than any of the human teams have played as well um, so it, it's it's a that one's a, an interesting one from that training perspective and you know, the cybersecurity side of things uh, yeah, if you think about your business, do you have a, a, a web chat support channel where uh, people can come in and, and as a customer, you provide them service? Well, if I'm a bad guy, I might try to do a whole bunch of different things to your web chat so I could figure out what what's my way to navigate through all of your security questions and answers to get access to somebody else's account. Um, and they'll go through and, and they can try all sorts of different things that maybe a human wouldn't think to try. And the bad guys can just let these models run until all of a sudden they see a little green light turn on. They got in. They were able to get access to an account at whatever vendor through the web chat or the security question and answer on the website. Or, I mean, now even the speech stuff is getting a little bit better. Um, we're not all the way there yet, but your phone call centers are going to have uh, real believable fake voices on the other end that is not an actual person coming here in the next five years. Yeah, and so your choice if you're trying to play defense, right, and protect your networks and protect your uh, things is do I do I want to keep up with that or do I not want to keep up with that? And so the you know the answer to keeping up with that kind of threat and the multitude of data at your disposal, right? We're not short, my my opinion, we're not short of cyber tools, right? You can go, you can buy a ton of cyber tools, shelves are full of them, but it's it's what you do with that information how you deal with that information, the decisions you make based on that information, how it gets integrated, and then how do I keep up with the with the bad guy, right, based on whatever threat your company has, right, because some companies would be exposed to more threats, more interest than others, so it goes back to the risk equation of, you know, how much do I need to invest to, to protect? Yeah. I mean, on the consumer side of this, we've, we've seen, and I had uh, a couple of attorneys on the program that handled the litigation around this, so... Uh, the short version for listeners here today is a, a person was selling their house and the hacker had been in their email box for a long time and they were waiting for a high value transaction. And this is not somebody reading your email every day, by the way. This is 
the hacker likely had some type of AI natural language processing system looking to flag a high value incident inside this person's email that they would compromised. And what they did is they sent over to the to the uh, escrow agent. Here's a new bank account. By the way, I'm selling my house. I'm retiring. I'm moving to Belize. Here's my updated banking information the day before the, the transaction closed. And that money got wired off to a, a foreign bank account, um, and that money was gone. And because that attacker sat in that email account for who knows how long, it's not like they happened to get lucky and compromise that person's email account on the day that they were selling their house. Um, so this is the type of stuff that, on the defensive side, you've it, in, if you're inside of an enterprise, you want to be able to figure out how to catch that very quickly. Um, in as a consumer level. Like, please just change your passwords, use multi-factor authentication wherever possible. And if you're doing something like selling a house, um, tell the escrow agent that you're only going to update your banking information with them physically in person. Like, I mean, this is you're wiring hundreds of thousands of dollars. This is probably the, one of the biggest financial transactions of your life. Please don't try to do that just over email. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is like on the enterprise side of stuff, you would want to be able to catch that very quickly because the attacker sitting in that mailbox they sent the mice and then they deleted the message out of send items. So if you were looking at that email account in the inbox, unless you grabbed it in real time, you wouldn't even know that the messages were ever sent um, until they tracked that through to the receiver. And they're like, here's where you told me the updated banking information. You're like, did you ever call me and ask and verify? Nope, they didn't. So um, yeah, you can check out our archives on your favorite podcasting service. If you want to look that one up um, with the attorney was a, a Job from Langley and Banak. He came on and talked more about where that case went and what actually happened there. But um, even if you, you are able to get your money back in those sorts of situations, it's not going to go very quickly. Um, and if you're a business and the, the keys of the kingdom went out the door um, some of these things you, you can't put them back inside of pandora's box so uh yeah if you're interested in these type of uh, ai scenarios and trying to figure out how to to detect and catch the bad guys you guys I, you have teams it sounds like working on this ai arms race good guy versus bad guy we we do it's uh, some pretty interesting both research and and operational work um have a funny story is as we try to train models to um, understand what's happening, right? And okay, this is nefarious activity. No, this is normal, or this this is abnormal, but it's not high risk, and all those things. What you need to train, what we'll call blue model, is a good guy yeah. model, right? So, what to train the blue side of it, the defender side of it, is I need a lot of good bad guy traffic, red yeah. traffic. Well, where do you get that red traffic? It's, Maybe from your own offensive team, right? Exactly. <laughs> or you know, you can get it. From the internet, you yeah, can get a synthesized data from the If internet. you're on the internet, you're getting attacked all the time. So if you just turn on logging, you'll get some red guy data. Yep. And then to make those models work well and efficiently, you need to label that data of this, okay, this is the good, this is the bad, so that it can learn from that. Yeah. And so are developing a blue artificial intelligence machine learning kind of model turned into a project where we need better red data. So we're, let's develop our own red traffic. And then in the middle of developing all that red traffic, we developed a pretty amazing capability of developing, you know, a series of exploits in a model that we could train to do what we wanted it to do, reward certain types of behavior. If I want to gain access via this way, I reward it certain ways. If I want to gain access without tripping up certain things, then we reward that model. And, and, yeah. and through that, we can 
we could develop what a lot of good red traffic looks like. We know it so we could label it. And then that can really help us train the blue models as well. And then we can create this gymnasium where we could either have red AI against blue AI or we can insert the humans on either team. And it could, we're going to go human on human or yeah. bad guy, you know, and, and all um, all of those things. And so the people working on that includes interns, includes a lot of our longer term folks. But uh it's been a it's been a fun and interesting project to work as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, this is is one. If you're out here listening, you're like, crud. How am I going to defend myself against this? So, um, yeah, I mean, it, you need to start being proactive on the the defensive side of stuff. You need to know what your baseline of normal looks like. You need to know what a clean system looks like. And um, just if you think about a physical security parallel, where you send an advanced team through to sweep a facility and look for. Uh, physical issues. Same. You need to be doing the same thing on your computer networks on a regular basis. You need to be going around um, checking systems to make sure that they're still clean against your baseline. Because if not, these attackers these days will have that red team AI that will compromise systems, and they'll just let it sit in there for 90 days, 180 days, maybe a year before they actually start going to do things on on that network. Um, so they can embed themselves in there into all of your backups and the rest of your system. So, um, yeah. Please uh, start thinking about this stuff if you aren't, especially if you're a high-value target. Um, and if you uh, would uh, like some assistance, uh, you can uh, – commercial sector or a public sector. Uh, Booz Allen here is uh, one in San Antonio that uh, can offer you uh, some advice beyond what we can cover here in an hour on the radio. And in almost every case, the human is the weakest link in, in the loop, right? So if you own a company – Etc. Etc. I mean, it, it just takes, and it, and you, you can be a smart user and, and still you know, click on the wrong thing, accept the wrong email, well, all those things. Yeah, they, I mean, you take the the pretty sophisticated the Secret Service officer that was so excited to get the USB drive at Miralago from the Chinese operative, they took it, plugged it into their computer. Mark, thank you, uh, and Vince, thank you for joining us uh, on the program here today. If uh, you just turned your radio on right now, this is 1200 WAI, and you're listening to Cyber Talk Radio. Uh, you can listen to this program in full and all the rest of our programs uh, up on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com or out there on your favorite podcasting service.